Good afternoon and welcome to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. Happy Tuesday, everyone. We have the charterizer in the house, the man who knows about charts and charters, Stephen Mendick, local attorney and musician, the one-stop shop for towns and cities in New Haven, in Connecticut, who want to update their charters every 10 years usually. Those are their constitutions. New Haven just did it with his help. He's done 27 and counting. And Steve put, puts out more new albums. He's so prolific than even Taylor Smith, Swift, if you don't count the albums that Taylor Swift reissues every six months from her old catalog, which I'm, I admire her for that. I'm not into her music, but I admire that she's taking her music back from the record companies that tried to exploit Something her. the Beatles never did. Yeah. Yeah. They were too stoned to like think about yeah. the business, right? Yeah. Anyway, Steve Mednick, attorney, politico, so- singer, songwriter, recording artist. Welcome back to Dateline New Haven. It is always so much fun to have you on, Steve. It's always fun to be here. Okay, yeah. is this our first since the pandemic? Or no, I no, no. I think I've had like seven albums since the pandemic. Oh, we should try to get you on for yeah. every album. Yeah, there you go. So he's a political songwriter and and um folk rock. And Steve, I'm going to ask you to get close to the mic. You've been in the news because we just had another election yeah. year with three more cities. Yeah. Put. Proposed changes to their charters before the voters in a referendum. Mm-hmm. Two passed, one didn't. And uh, you advised them all three. All three. And uh, st- and so you, we, you can't tell us what you really think about the wisdom of what they did, right? Because they're your clients, right? Yeah. But you can explain to us the process. I can explain the process and I can talk about the substance of what they did. Uh, and then I can opinionate. And you can opinionate. And, and I, I can, won't uh, lose you your... I can repudiate. Okay, but then you can't because that wouldn't be totally honest because you can't really wanna, tell me what happened. Yeah, I want to be careful, you know, about yeah. what I say because um, I, I don't have a vote. I recommend things to people. I have um, a point of reference. You're John Roberts. You call, call balls and strikes, right? Oh, John Roberts. Is, I was just, I was just John teasing, Roberts yeah. ain't calling balls and strikes. Although Dude, compared let's, uh, let's to not go the to rest that of subject. The, okay, so let's Steve Mendick, why do we care about city charters? Why should the person listening to this, this show or going to the polls on election day or not going to polls, why should they care What's in their city charter? Well, a city charter is supposed to be the constitution of the local government. And so a citizen should be able to take a look at the city charter and understand what the role of the mayor is, what the mayor's responsibilities are, what the role of the Board of Alders in New Haven, City Council, Legislative Council in Hamden, City Common Council in Hartford and Norwalk, um, and understand what the legislative functions are, how boards and commissions operate, how department heads operate, what their real powers are. If they want to be on a board of commission, it should be the way that they find out what the boards and commissions do. Are the uh, all boards and commissions needing to be in the charter? No, like, is that, that, huh? that's one of the big things we can talk about that cities are doing that I've been advising. I guess because the two things I'm always confused. So it matters because it matters how our government is structured because <laughs> it says who has power and how they can use it. And if you want to exert power, you have to look at what the rules are. Yeah. I have to admit, I'm not the, the uh, brightest bulb in the back. When I look at charters, including New Havens, I can't figure out what the heck it's saying half the time. I need to call Steve Mendick and say, yeah. does this mean you're allowed to hit someone over the head or serve four years or get 10,000 bucks or what was it saying? We, we've been trying in New Haven. This is my second charter as council. I did a couple, worked on charters. 10 years ago, I remember. A little bit, yeah, 10 years ago, but I worked on charters when I was an alder many, many years ago. But um, New Haven has been moving in the direction, and I think um, I give Taisha um, Walker-Myers a lot of credit. She's the head of the board of alders. Head of the board of alders. Um, and... Um, and um, a lot of credit for, and, and Michael Smart, who's chaired the last two charter city revisions, clerk, city yeah. clerk, um, a lot of credit for the direction we're taking. In New Haven, we're moving in the direction of um, 
of even further constitutionalizing the charter, just laying out the structure of the government and trying to move. Even out. What we, why? Why are the payment of alders in there? Like at the, at the Congress, there's a reason. There's a good reason. Congress, uh, they they vote on their own pay. Let me finish my point, then I'll answer your question. Um, the point I was making is that we're trying to move things out of the charter that can be dealt with more readily oh, by ordinance. And so, like how so, would you get a lifetime appointment to the parks? Exactly. Yeah. So all boards and commissions don't need to be fully structured in the charter unless you don't want anybody doing damage to them. Like I'll give you an example. Ethics, civil service, those things should be in the charter because you don't want a mayor coming in or a board of alders coming in or a city council coming in and getting rid of the ethics board. Uh, I or, get that, the civil service but board. I do know that civil service sometimes responds to real-life conditions about labor markets, how government, what kind of work government does and doesn't do. Are you tying the hands? By no, the civil, service, the civil service code should be in the ordinances, okay. not in the charter. But in that case, the structure of the entity, you want to make sure. Waterbury, we created a, an oversight, an, in, uh, an internal audit commission to deal with their financial problems. That's been in there for 20 years. Waterbury's been in pretty good shape for the last 20 years. We created this entity. You don't want the mayor to be able to get rid of it, and you don't want the mayor and the board of alders to reduce the budget. So we had a provision in the Waterbury Charter that said you can never go below what, it, what the budget is the year before because you can't undermine the audit group. That's that interesting. Does internal so audit. New Haven is something interesting. So every 10 years, you have to have a commission that looks about whether you want to put a question before the voters. You could do it more often, but they never do. So what was interesting, the last two times, this year, this past November, and then 10 years ago, we did pass charter changes. They put together changes, and the voters passed them. Before that, I don't remember it ever passing. It seems like it was always ill-fated. In the well, past. that's because I didn't, re- I didn't advise them. Okay. That's why. No. The, uh, I think the people are... I think it's because Unite Here cared about this. They have the majority of the Board of Alders. They also have the majority on town committees, and people don't pay a lot of attention to local elections. So but if just you have one group out there I, getting people to vote... I've seen trends throughout the state. Okay. I mean, uh, and, I, and I think that uh, issues that were enormously controversial 20 years ago, four-year term for mayor... Uh, for your term for uh, legislative bodies are becoming less controversial. So New Haven just passed something they that, just passed it. that had been yeah. attempted for decades, which is to have a four-year term for mayor instead of two, four-year term for alders, and not staggered. So we're going to have fewer elections, so we're going to have less democracy and oversight and accountability. And we also cleaned up some of the language in the charter, and we... Um, the compensation and, issue. You, you yeah, want to we talk raised about the that. pay, which I was really glad they got a raise, but I couldn't figure out why that has to be in the Here's charter. Here's why. There's a, there's a real reason. It's not has nothing to do with protecting alders or city council members. We have these provisions in Hartford. I now recommend them here. In the state of Connecticut, the legislative bodies can raise their compensation. There's no prohibition against compensation. You don't need to have a charter provision that says you're entitled to get paid. Here's the problem. The state constitution, there's a provision that, uh, I'm sorry, the state statutes have a provision um, that requires any increases in legislative legislative compensation to go to referendum so if the mayor was to propose raising the alders compensation from the 1989 level that's when i was on the board of alders the the, the amount that was currently in the, uh, the that is currently set 2000 was established in 1989 1989 that was uh, almost some real money back then Okay. I didn't think it was that much then, but it was yeah. it was still something, and and it was more than it is today, and so you need to go to referendum. So if the mayor wanted to raise it by fifty dollars a year, it would have to go to referendum, even if it's in the budget and the budget passes. I don't know why that legislation exists, but it does, and um, so 
a number of years ago in Hartford, 20 years ago, when we were establishing compensa- compensation for the mayor to make sure the mayor's got gradual increases and the state constitution governs that as well. We don't need to go uh, into that arcania, uh, but, but, but there's some restrictions under the state constitution. I said, why don't we do something about city council? And what we did is we established a baseline for the city council with a COLA. And you Economy's can only cost of living, cost of adjustment. living adjustment. And I'm really glad you did that because that's the problem. We lasted 89, but there isn't any keeping up with inflation. Exactly. And, and so the voters get to vote on the constitutional standard. And that, I believe, satisfies the referendum requirement. And so that when the increase it was goes, a referendum. The referendum the vision is a referendum. Is a referendum. So by so establishing it by referendum and the voters have determined that there should be these increases and the Constitution limits the increase in a four-year term to only twice, uh, once before the term starts and once before the third year starts. So you can't get a COLA increase every year. It only comes just before your term starts and just before the oh, third year of the state and, constitution. Uh, Tom Breen is asking, did the Charter Vision Commission ever figure out why we have three lifetime Parks Commission members? What's the history of that? We tried to figure it out. Um, we didn't, we didn't uh, my, my guess is, I mean, I didn't go back and look at all the, uh, the initial gifting that was done, but we're assuming that there was a gift from some private land entity um, and they wanted to guarantee that um, people be represented to protect the land that was so we didn't we didn't in this referendum get rid of that incredibly out-of-date provision we said that the board of alders can decide that question and the majority of the board said we're not going to stop the one person who the two people there now are there until they're 945 years old or older but that we will move forward get rid of that no that was what the initial position was the alders haven't made a final judgment we're now doing a project uh, an ordinance project to replace all the boards and commissions so the 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 board the park board is one of the boards that will be reorganized and they kind of did make a decision now that i'm thinking about it there is a term requirement so that when we create a new parks commission or a replacement entity you ha- are subject to a term of office not to a lifetime appointment and so then, those positions and then will go uh, away. does that have to go back to the the charter oh, i guess not we're saying you can decide it's going to the ordinances. how many char- how many boards commissions are going to be reconstituted Five or six. I can't like which ones and why? Um, the ones that are most likely to be um, the Financial Review and Audit Commission, Board of Fire Commissioners, Public Health, Civilian Review, Police Commissioners, Park Commission, and Library. Those are all... And why are we rethinking those? What are we rethinking? Uh, we're simply saying that they should be moved to the Code of Ordinances, so we're taking them out. Of, we may leave their structures exactly as they are. Are there any concerns about the Police Commission? Are they going to retain their subpoena power? Um, well, they don't have subpoena the, power. They, they remember the the um, the no, wiretap hearings when they when they subpoenaed. Yeah, I, I, it's unclear how they uh, subpoenaed those things. That's because Daniel Greer was the chair. Yeah, and and so and, they don't have and subpoena power. They may have used the subpoena authority that a lawyer has to issue subpoenas. Oh, the way that the board of alders exactly. can give subpoena power yeah. to, to somebody. Yeah. So they don't have subpoena power. I was wrong no, about that. The um, the body that does have subpoena par- uh, power is the civilian review board by state statute. So all those are going to be moved to the Code of Ordinances. Whether they're changed, whether their composition is changed, will be up to the alders. So we're learning about Charter Vision from the Charter Vision expert, Steve Mendick, an attorney who has advised 27 and counting municipalities on on proposals. So this year you had three. You had New Haven, uh, Norwalk, Norwalk, and Stanford. 
So in Norwalk, it passed as well. What major changes did they make? Well, Norwalk was an astounding project. Norwalk uh, took a charter that was written in 1913. It's been subject to modifications over the years. But the charter there, like my old New Britain charter, that was the first big charter I did in 1995, uh, was organized alphabetically. So try being a citizen in a community that has a charter that is organized alphabetically. You know, the mayor and I were talking, Mayor Rilling, who's a terrific uh, guy, former police chief in Norwalk, um, uh, said to me that when he became mayor, he was trying to figure out what his functions were with respect to the budget. He had to go to five different chapters. So is the idea you just rewrote it to be I, intelligible, or did they change anything about the way no, government there, works? We made a, a, I advised, and they followed my advice, to restructure their charter so that it is readable. We so the whole idea was readability. Readability, so that passed accessibility 88%, to public. Eighty-eight percent of the vote. I, I've never had. And then ha- how much? New Haven got sixty-four percent. Roughly mid sixties, yeah. But, and then Stanford voted it down. There was a fight between the mayor and the board of Rep- yeah. representatives, which is their council. Board of representatives, their 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 board of alders. Yeah. yeah, and they had a fight, even though the same party, about who gets to serve on different boards of commissions. That kind of seemed that it went from a NIMBY thing, right? The mayor wanted to make it easier to build housing. And the um, board of representatives were at least quoted saying that she was making it not listen to neighborhoods enough. They wanted to keep out affordable housing from Stanford, although they didn't characterize it that way. And they wanted to have more control of the zoning board. Is that not what it was? Not entirely. Don't be diplomatic. What was no? Really I, won't about? Be, I don't need to be diplomatic. I mean the the um, the the board of representatives was looking at development in Stanford. There's been a lot of development in Stanford. Um, and an York argument was made. Right? An argument was made that the housing that is being developed in Stanford is moderate and low-income housing. The median price of housing that qualifies for low and moderate income is probably much higher than it is in New Haven, for example. So the concept that they were fighting for low and median, uh, in, low no, and middle-income housing. I thought they were fighting housing, against it. I thought they thought the mayor wasn't letting NIMBYs from Stanford neighborhoods keep out poorer people. The mayor argued that the board of reps was trying to keep out poor That's people, and middle class. Yeah. That was her argument. I'm not sure that argument. Who were you working for? I worked for the Charter Commission that was proposing those um, and changes. And what was it they're going to change? They were going to change two things. Um, one was they were changing the petition requirements. Right now, um, if you own a condominium in Stanford, um, the special act that was created in 1953 allows the condo association to have one signature on a petition. We were trying for to change a petition for a um, zoning change, a, a, petition, uh, a petition to appeal a zoning decision. They have a very different zoning system. In Stanford, if you want to appeal a zoning uh, um, uh, ruling or a planning ruling, you can appeal it to the functional equivalent of the Board of Alders. Uh, they serve as an appeals body. Right now, in order to appeal that, you need to fill out petitions individual property owners. If you live in a neighborhood with a lot of condominiums, individual members of condos are not considered oh, property I see. owners. I see. And so we we're trying to modernize the, st- the process, very simple, modernize the process to permit unit owners to be able to sign petitions. And that wasn't it though, it wasn't also something about the way boards and commissions are structured? We'll get to that in a minute, but that, that was the first thing. That was ultimately taken out of the hands of the Charter Commission because the governor, the, the mayor put into the legislation legislation that would ban us from changing the provisions of the charter pertaining to petitions uh, and, and pertaining to sales of land, acquisition of land, 
whole range of things. Um, that happened back in uh, the end of June. Um, the second thing that was a big issue in Stanford, and it's an issue in a lot of other places, but particularly difficult in Stanford, is Stanford has a, a huge number of holdover um, board and commission members. And what I mean by that is when the what, terms when are you out, serve you out continue of, yeah. sitting on it. Yeah, your term is a four-year term, and, then the, 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 and, and if, you sit until your successor. And the mayor nominates someone if the board turns it down. They can continue sitting they there, can which continue is sort of what, what Justin Elliker wanted to be able to do in New Haven when his police chief. He's saying I should just be able to keep her there forever. Sounds like you could do that in Stanford. In Stanford, you could do that on boards and commissions. And and there and the reason you could do it on a board and commission, Stanford has a um, a practice. Their corporation counsel's office, and I think their corporation counsel is an outstanding guy. He was corp counsel when I was corp counsel in the 90s, and I think Tom Cassone is a really remarkable guy, and he did not issue this opinion. A prior corporation counsel issued an opinion uh, in Stanford. You stay on a border commission for until a successor is appointed or and, and approved, or oh, that's different from an appointee to a, a department yeah. head. Okay, or six months, whichever is earlier. So they actually have in their charter right now, as we sit here today, they have a provision in the charter that says you're off after six months. However, the corporation counsel. Some time ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, opined that maybe it was more recent, it might have been more recent, opined that the six-month provision, uh, as a matter of what Charlie Album in New Haven would have called practical wisdom. He was the late corporation counsel in the 1980s. One of my predecessors. Um, but he had the theory of uh, practical wisdom. If you, you couldn't find the law, you had to apply practical wisdom. They made a decision that the provision on six months is not valid because if you applied it, you would end up having boards and commissions without members because um, the mayor may not appoint and the board of reps may not approve. And uh, from my perspective, from a legal perspective, I think that's fallacious. Um, and that's still there in their charter, so they, have, they may fight that battle again. But in order to get around that, they were trying to come up with a provision that forced the mayor to appoint the holdovers and actually promote replacements for the holdovers. And we Meaning have, if they turned down, pick someone else. I thought they were also going to give the power to themselves to, to suggest people. The way it worked is this. The way it works now in Stanford is that the mayor has 120 days to nominate somebody for a board and commission position. If she does it um, and it's rejected, she's satisfied the charter, which means there's no trigger that would force her or him to appoint somebody else. So they can leave it vacant. And it can leave it vacant and it goes nowhere else. If the mayor defaults on the 120-day provision, it goes to the president of the board of representatives. And if that president defaults, it goes to the full board. If the president defaults under the current charter, and it is the current charter, it's remaining the charter, it goes back to the mayor for another All 90 days. All fighting about who gets to pick whom to a board if someone doesn't meet a deadline? What? All this fighting is about who gets to pick whom, who gets to pick members of boards of commissions if you don't meet a deadline? The, the, what the... What the Charter Commission and the Board of Reps is trying to do is trying to force a situation where the mayor could not uh, withhold appointment and extend terms. And so what they did, their replacement provision was the mayor gets 120 days, period. Not a matter of default. If the, um, if, uh, the mayor um, does not get an appointment approved within that 120 days, um, it moves over to the next level, which is the mayor and the Board of Reps president get 120 days to both make nominations, whoever gets a majority gets the person on the board or commission. If they don't do it with 120 days, the final step is until it's finally approved, 
the mayor and every member of the board of reps gets to make the nomination. So this didn't pass? Did not pass. How come? Um, according to the official finance reports that were filed at the end of October, the developers uh, who funded the anti-charter um, effort uh, outspent the pro-charter effort <laughs> 100000 to $38,000. So this will have, have an impact on how Stanford is built, how much affordable housing there is, and why. Yeah, but l- let me finish the point. The point is when you look at the next finance report, I guarantee it'll be more than 100000 They put out nine citywide mailers. In Norwalk, where we didn't put out one, we didn't put it out because it was going to cost 15000 for one in Norwalk. They did nine in Stanford. Is that because they want the ability not to be checked on what they can build? They want to make as much money as possible. Yeah, they like the system the way it is, and uh, we have a separate zoning board and a separate planning board. And um, Well, Attorney Steve Mendick is all over charters, the minutiae, the big picture. He also puts out at least one CD a year, don't you, of original music that you've written and recorded. I don't know if it's political. it's very political. Yeah, some of it is. Well, you have a series called Problems in Democracy, and you have the sixth CD in that series called On the Brink. When does this come out? That came out uh, about five months ago. I haven't. Five months ago. Six months ago. I haven't. Well, let's hear a song from it, Steve. The Dust Blows Around Us. We're going to hear a song called. The Dust Blows Around Us. Ooh, The Dust Blows Around Us here. Steve Mendick's latest here on WNHHFN.
Dust Blows Around Us, Steve Mednick's latest album, On the Brink, Problems in Democracy, Part 6. What number CD is this for you? Uh, 21. 21st album. Yeah, I'm just about done. We're tonight actually finishing number 22. And uh, Steve Mednick has worked on 27 and counting city charters in Connecticut, 21 and counting albums. Busy guy on charts and chartering. I do my best. Steve, uh, Patricia Kane, thanks for listening, Patricia, writes, I must be a policy wonk because, wonk because I find Steve fascinating. I agree. Oh, wow. I, I feel the way, too. Thanks for updating us on changes needed and not happening, and sign up for Cafe Nine. You've played Cafe Nine. Right? I have played Cafe Nine. Uh, that's a great place. I love it. I and you, in your early day in the 60s, you played at Folk City in New Haven, at open, I mean, New York Grand Village on open no, mic, right? No, no, You no, told no. me you used to go down to Folk City not open me. mic night. Not me, I wish. No, oh, I thought no, no. I, Okay, it's a bad memory. I used to do that in high school. Anyone can get up Not me, play. not okay. me. So anyway, tell me about this album. You know, it's not yeah. as, as um, specific as some of your political music. It's got that, you got a new person working with from a younger generation to do your production and arrangement, Isaac um, Civitello. Isaac Civitello is just Replacing amazing. Eddie Seville, who is more of a boomer like you, right? Well, Eddie is his father. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Um, I'm keeping in the family. Um, about five years ago, four or five years ago, Eddie said to me, would you mind uh, if I bow out and have Isaac take over? And, of course, I was a little um, concerned that Eddie didn't like me anymore and, and, and that he was moving on. And Eddie, I think, was just moving on to write his own stuff, to just spend more time writing his own music. He's on, he does it's show still up. got the Tom Petty feel. That's Who's that? This album, I mean, like yeah. that song, that those yeah. leads are complete in the con- yeah. instrumentation. Well, I think it's more Robert Earl Keen than Tom Petty. Yeah, I hear that. I yeah, hear that's that. a Robert. But the, like, but the guitar yeah. leads are very yeah. much the. Well, that's uh, Carl Allwire. Carl, Carl's mm. been with me. Uh, one of Eddie's guys, one of Eddie's bandmates in uh, the Bandoleros. Frank. What's Brill the song the about? The dust blows around us. It's it's about uh, kind of the anime. I mean, when I the the album notes, the liner notes on the album talk about we've just gotten through this election. This is really done. Uh, wasn't done before the election was done 2022 the 22 election and so we survived we made it through but i thought that uh we need to keep um our eyes on the mark we need to make sure that democracy survives and i think that just the statements of the last few days uh that the former president um has made just makes it absolutely clear and this is about anime this is about uh, a character who's just kind of like uh ambling through life it may be somebody who could have ended up at the one six insurrection um it could have been somebody who just found their way out of it 
uh, and they're finding their ways in very shadowy um, communities and neighborhoods and places where 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 people live, um, and and have lost a sense of purpose. And I think the album is about trying to find that sense of purpose. Um, uh, the pol- the public policy guy in me says we need civics education in this country. We need to. Uh, and is ed- that part of what you're doing when you make this music and make it political? Is this more like the musician who is just needs an outlet to create or do you have a mission a political mission with your music well the problems in democracy um series is taken from a course that muriel scholar scholar my 12th grade civics teacher taught called problems in democracy in waterbury in in uh, newington connecticut i lived in in the greater hartford area uh, in my last two years of high school and uh mrs scholar um really was a true believer in civics education, Problems of Democracy was the advanced course in civics. I've always been interested in the subject and later became an elected official. Um, yeah, so it's part of a mission that I have as a human, as an American citizen, as a citizen of the world, um, to make sure that we understand the world around us. Otherwise, you're not going to get things done. You write in the liner notes, for the past year or so, we've been observing the heroic actions of the Ukrainian people who persevered yeah. by eluding Putin's bombs. They are fighting for themselves and for us. You have three songs about that. Well, we're reading today that um, quickly time is running out. America might not be giving any more aid to Ukraine. The MAGA Republicans who have taken control of Congress are not are stopping any kind of consideration for renewed Ukraine funding. Is it over? I mean, is, did Putin win? He could. Look at Israel. What's I mean, gonna, uh, it's mean? not just what's Ukraine. That, what's that mean if Putin wins? What, what it means if Putin wins is a country that's on the verge of a democratic um, resurgence, Ukraine, on the border of our NATO allies, uh, will be an oppressed country um, for the near term. And, um, and it's abysmal because you, had, um, you have this heroic leader and a heroic people. I mean, uh, um, the leader can only do so much. Uh, the way these people are fighting and, and, you know, some of the songs I, that I have on the album were really inspired by New York Times um, um, reportage on, on individual women trying to protect their family, men trying to defend uh, their country. Um, I do have a song about Putin, uh, and I, 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 I cast him as tantamount to a a rapist or or somebody who would just really be an insidious person uh, who wants to abuse another person and a country uh, uh, so let's country. listen to your song at night i dream of odessa all right yeah where my grandfather was born your grandfather was born in odessa yes he was you'll hear when about did, when did he come over he came over uh, the beginning of the 20th century uh he came in a very interesting way because my grandfather came from similar region not ukraine but um Part of Poland, sometimes Russia, at Semyonich at around 1905, I think it was, or 1895. We weren't sure which. 1905 is around the time my grandfather came, but he came in a different way. He was, he was a uh, leafleter for the communists in the early oh. part of the 20th century. Was sent to uh, Siberia, and he came to this country uh, out of Vladivostok. Uh, the Jacob Rees Foundation funded a lot of what I call the earlier generation refuseniks to come into the country through the Panama Canal, and he came in through Galveston, Texas, wow. and somehow got from Galveston. As he and did he start the butcher shop in Waterbury? No, was we weren't butchers. My, produce. My, father was a, my grandfather was a produce peddler, a okay. vegetable peddler. In Waterbury? In Waterbury. And he got from, somehow got from Galveston to Waterbury, Connecticut. Now, how about your dad? My father was born in Waterbury. 
And did he do produce business? My father was a peddler when I was a little boy. I mean, in fact, people ask me, how'd you get into politics? Your father was a fruit peddler. I said, think about what a peddler does. Peddler goes neighborhood by neighborhood, meets with different ethnic groups, figures out who, who, who's going to eat the collard greens, who want the radishes, who's going to eat the lettuce by, by ethnicity and by neighborhood. And so I got to see all the ethnic neighborhoods of Waterbury as a kid growing up. So I like to think that might have um, encouraged me to be a person who w- would knock on doors asking for votes. And meanwhile, uh, you're following your grandfather's tradition. He had leaflets. You're putting out songs. With I am putting out message. songs. These are my leaflets. At night, I dream of Odessa here on WNHS, 103.5M, Dateline, New Haven, Steve Mendick's new album, On the Brink, track four, At Night, I Dream of Odessa. Night I dream of Odessa, a place I've never been to in the distance of time and space. The Russians, they are coming to bomb us to non-existence, the siege relentless and craving. I was dreaming of Mariupol, where the children found a shelter in the basement of a theater. I walk the alleys of the city garden Toward the sea of Azov Will I ever see the garden again? Will I ever see the garden again? We have no right to react in silence No reason to refrain from action To let the tyrant have free license There's not a time for contradiction We're looking in the shadows Trying to shell us to oblivion from the north will never know what's about to hit him I was dreaming of my city the sights and scents of winter not the lost things left behind I'm hiding in a cold room no windows glimpse of light my children cry mama we don't want to die my children cry mama we don't want We have no right to react in silence No reason to refrain from action To let the tyrant have free license There's not a time for contradiction We're looking in the shadows Trying to shell us to oblivion The tyrant from the north Will never know what's about to hit him It's cold everywhere There's no heat, no running water Seeking shelter from the iron rain I want my life, my future An end to the disorder Just wanna smile again I just wanna smile again And now I dream of Odessa The home of my grandfather He woke up to the sea Steve Mendick dreaming of Odessa on his new CD, On the Brink, Problems in Democracy, Part 6, here on WNHH FM, New Haven's home for community radio. Are there any similarities between writing and recording music and writing and putting up for vote charters? <laughs> well, I, 
Marty Looney, many, many years ago, state our Senate. state Senate president um, and longtime New Haven um, elected official, um, once said to me, um, what's the difference between your writing op-eds when you were a politician and writing music as a musician? And I said to him, I think you can be more honest as a musician. You can be more truthful as a musician. I'm not saying that politicians don't tell the truth most of the time, but politicians need to be conscious of what um, constituencies might say, competing constituencies that they care about, etc. cetera. Um, I, as a musician who's not planning on running for office um, anytime soon, uh, which probably means never, um, uh, don't have to worry about that. Uh, charters need to be consensus documents. They need to be um, in order to get 88% as we did in Norwalk, to get 60 plus percent as we did in New Haven, and to come as close as we did in Stanford, uh, where we lost, I think, 11,000 and 9,000. When you think about the money uh, gap between the people who opposed it and the people who supported it, um, you have to really try to uh, reach the public and reach a consensus. Um, I, I th- I'd like to think that in Stanford they did reach a consensus, but they, did, they were outspent, which I think caused big problems. What, so what time of day difference. do you write your charter language? What time of day do you write your songs? Well, charter is work, so I'm, I'm uh, taking time away right now from my desk uh, in the middle of the day. That's when I would be writing a charter. I was working on ordinances. You write music at night? I write music at night. I write music in the morning. I write music when I take a walk. Um, I don't want my clients to think I don't think about them when I'm walking, but I do think about a medley. So what are some lessons from what happened at the polls this year about charters, and where do we go next with charters in Connecticut? What are the big issues? I think that most of the news was, uh, at least in my charters, was good. Uh, You had two communities, New Haven and Norwalk, that were committed to creating more readable, understandable, comprehensible charters. And I think the, the better your charter works for the public, the more likely you're to get engagement by mm-hmm. the public. Um, and I'd like to think that that would be uh, one of the benefits of having a well-written charter um, and, a, and a good structure of government. Um, so that's, that's the lesson there. Stanford, I think the lesson is... Um, I don't know what you do about campaign finance. Mm. Uh, Citizens United uh, and the Supreme Court that gave it to us are the great scourge of our modern era in this country. And, uh, and I think the Stanford um, outcome is a result of a Citizens United advantage uh, that certain PACs have. You had people giving $15,000 contributions to the effort to kill the charter. And, uh, are you working on any charters for next year? Not right now. Not right now. There's a few that I think may come up. I don't want to talk about. So them. now, how many these four-year terms we have for Alders? Yeah. Are, is that the norm now? Waterbury, Bridgeport, Hartford, Stamford, Norwalk—they all have four-year terms for their council. Some do, some don't. Norwalk um, has two years for the mayor and two years for the mayor uh, for the council. Uh, Stamford has four and four. Bridgeport has four and four. Uh, Hartford has uh, four and four. Um, Hamden, Hamden has four and two. Uh, Waterbury has four and two. The uh, Alders do run in the alternate side. And other ones are four. Do they stagger them so that people have a chance every two years, like with Congress, to weigh in, or they just I, do it all I, once? I have recommended that in other communities, but um, the it, it seems that in the communities, uh, like Hartford, for example, it's, everybody has a four-year term on the same cycle. And you do expect to be doing more charters this coming year? 
I hope uh, there there are there are some uh, cycles that are moving in that direction, and then there's one of my large cities, and I, that's why I want to talk about it. That's come to me about a couple of tweaks. Remember, you don't have to do it every ten years. You can do a charter revision every uh, every. Uh, Which one is that? I don't want to talk about it, but uh, I can tell you this: Norwalk. Are oh, you not writing a song? So you don't have to be fully honest. Yeah, Norwalk. <laughs> well, I, I, when I write the song about it, I'll let you know. Um, have you ever written a song about a charter? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What was it called? Well, I I, I wrote one uh, that's too too raw to talk about um, right now. A song about a charter is too raw. I mean, we're well, not talking about, about like people involved life. in the charter. There's a song I wrote uh, um, called "The Wanted Man," and the Wanted Man is uh, about somebody um, who was described as a man with three names, and people in the city that I'm talking about would know who I'm talking about. It's not New Haven, um, who was kind of an interesting character during the charter revision process of 11 years ago in that particular community, Bridgeport. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, I will not name names. That charter failed. And so I wrote a song because um, not so much about the charter per se, but it was really about uh, the uh, persnickety approach that several people took during that process. And so I was able to create characters that um, you know gave and me created, an ability to and you avoid. Wrote a song about New Haven when there was an effort to stop the Palace Theater from becoming the um, Cosby Music Hall, and that you found an old document that thwarted a certain individual who was trying to st- use the power of a certain university to stop it. You found an alley that was in the records that would allow Salvation Alley. That's a really good song. I wish Thank I had you. brought in the CD. Yeah, right no, there. Salvation Alley was all about. Uh, it was pretty. Uh, so parting words on charters. Parting words on charters, I think that people, here's what I want to say. People need to pay attention. Uh, Newspapers are trying the best they can. The New Haven Independent does a great job uh, at covering uh, some of our local politics. But a lot of our newspapers are out of the local politics business. And so I think it's important to get on websites and see what boards and commissions are doing. And uh, and And how can they buy your music? You can buy my music on Amazon, almost any electronic media. Um, call me. I can sell you my albums. I got hard albums, CDs, but who has CD players anymore, right? So, well, thank we do because we heard two today. On I know CD. we did. Yeah. Well, Steve Mendick, thanks so much for making time. My you're, pleasure. You're Paul. such a busy guy. You're you're thriving as a attorney and expert in municipal law, go to guy in the state for charters, and album after album. And unlike Taylor Swift, you don't have to re-release your back catalog. You could just have new music. And I don't out. have to do any uh, costume changes in my performance either. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. You had one costume here the whole time. The whole time. All right, nice job. Thank you, brother. And thanks to Harry Droves for working the board. Thanks to Patricia for the comments. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night. WNHH New Haven's home for community radio. Mm-hmm.